So wait, you're gonna play the intro now? Yeah. Okay, I'm cool with it. When do I start? Oh, we're running, baby. Nah. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Five Stripe Final, the newly improved Five Stripe Final. We're running fancy today. Got a brand new system running things. It's just in time, just in time for us to whip up on Orlando City. I'm Jay Sam Jones from Dirty South Soccer. Joe Patrick from Dirty South Soccer is over there. Say hey, Joe. Fuck it. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. Always, always. And the show we are doing live is called Five Stripe Final, the only highlighted... What the hell? God dang it. Are we... Jesus. I am, I I'm loving this already. sound effects you have on there. Can I do sound effects? Uh, I, don't, I don't think I so. Don't Whatever. You're in charge here. Anyway, welcome to Five Stripe Final, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things Atlanta United. Again, big game coming up this Saturday against Orlando City Soccer Club. Last week... After a 1-1 draw against Portland where Joe left me by myself in Mercedes-Benz Stadium with the lights turned out, I teased a special guest. I teased a special guest coming your way for this big preview. And we are happy to say that it totally worked out in every way. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Christ. Did you... Did you invite him, Joe? Uh, I didn't get the memo. Crap. Huh. Well, I guess it's just us. Guess it's mm. just us. You know. Th- Sorry about that, y'all. These things fall through. Uh, we were you know have people. They, a couple special they say, guests, but it's cool. They they say they say they're gonna help. They say they're gonna come on, and then next thing you know, nothing. You get you, you get you get ghosted. That's what we call it in the biz. <laughs> in the biz, yes. In the biz of, of sliding into people's DMs and, and begging them to come on our <laughs> HDAD of all things. Uh, no one even responds back, what the hell's an HDAD, though? They just kind of ignore us. It's, it's very rude. Yeah, yeah. Very rude. Um, did want to say, though, we are going to plan on trying to get more guests on this version of the show, on, on our preview show. Um, so just look out for that. Eventually, someone will respond to us, and then we will be able to interview them and ask them dumb questions. If you guys, the, the HDAD army want to go out there and just start bombarding people you want to see on the show with requests. I'm sure like all all 10 of you could could really do some damage out there in the mm-hmm. Twitter sphere. Uh Gabe has a lot of influence. <laughs> Gabe wishes. Gabe and Cherb Street both wish, man. Ah <laughs> oh, gosh, those jerks. Anyway, let's get on to the preview. Yeah? Yeah. Huh. This one goes down Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the heart of Atlanta, Georgia. Orlando City SC comes to town. This one will be on ESPN if you can't make it into the stadium. Or if you're driving around in your car, you can listen to it on 92.9. The game, Joe Patrick, a rivalry game. No matter what they yeah. say. No matter what they say. Even if Orlando does happen to be, um, what's the word, uh, completely trash right now. And it's hilarious. It's well, that's why they don't want it to be a rivalry. Right, exactly. Is it even worth our time to be annoyed with these people who can't even string a win together in two games against Montreal? Who's it's like every 
every weekend i'm trying i don't know how to quite compare it it's like every weekend you know i'm looking at our i'm looking at our result kind of scanning the the results around the league and orlando's just always one i look for it's like a you know it's like a car crash that when you're you're stuck in traffic and you're just waiting to see what what's up around the around the curve there what happened um you're just waiting to see what that result was. And every week, every week when this losing streak grows, I I almost feel bad. Like, I'm almost like, oh, my God, are you serious? <laughs> like, they lost to Montreal again. <laughs> again. They had two chances in a row to beat Montreal and lost both times. Not even Drew. They lost. They lost, y'all. They come into like this one. one player you have to defend. Yeah, really. Of course, that they had two own goals in those games, so they couldn't <laughs> even not score on themselves. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. They come into this one, six wins, one draw, nine losses. Seven games ago, they had six wins, one draw, and two losses. Yes, they have lost seven games in a row. Have not even gotten a point in the last seven games. They come in with 19 points. That puts them eighth in the East and 16th in the Supporters' Shield standings. At one point, they were on, like, the MLS power rankings that I think Matt Doyle does for MLS.com. Or, excuse me, MLSsoccer.com. MLS.com is mm-hmm. a rental site. Um, no, really, check that out. But they were, Good like, fourth. <laughs> they Good were, investment. like, fourth in this, in this power rankings. People, like, were buying into the hype a little bit. All of a sudden, Christ had turned things around, and then they just fell off a cliff and it all started with one team joe patrick you know what team that was Mm, i think it was us it was us it was us we broke that six game win streak that they were on at that point and they've lost seven in a row well it's crazy i mean they they you know they spent so much money in in the off season and in the kind of in the in the summer transfer window last year um you kind of expected them to be better, like at least be better than you were last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, you know, there was always going to be a little bit of an adjustment period coming in for them uh, with, with these new players, but eventually they'd get it figured out. And actually what has happened was kind of the opposite, which is that they got off to a hot start and then just have completely collapsed. Um, And I think it's the reason why, you know, they've been rumored for Caleb Porter and then apparently Taylor Twellman (laughs) is reporting that Caleb Porter has turned down the job. Um, He turned it down. (laughs) Caleb Porter turned it down. He said, no, I have better things to do, like play Bunko and wherever the hell I'm at in my life. (laughs) Caleb Porter. (laughs) He's doing nothing else, nothing else, but somehow going to Orlando City was worse than nothing. Dear God, it's such a train wreck. It's beautiful. Continue. I, Sorry, I was scared. I was scared. That was what uh, that was what Caleb Porter said when he scared. went down to meet what, with Orlando. What was that? I mean, that was, go on, go on. I was, I was scared. I was scared. I hate this. <laughs> If you have any anybody who has uh, audio bit recommendations that I can play, I still need to get the cookie crumbles on here um, from Jeff. Yes, from, from Jeff. Um, any if there are any other bits, please let me know. Um, I, I do want to say I do want to say that the players that he has brought in have probably been the best players for Orlando this year. It's just that that doesn't mean a whole lot. 
people like yeah. Muhammad El yeah. have been very good defensively. Yoshi Otun has been good. Dominic Dwyer has been decent. Uh, Lamine Sane has been all right. Klish has been okay and Miram <laughs> has been total garbage but you know uh yeah. relative to the team those have been your best players and these are guys that were brought in it's just that i mean it's not cohesive one, enough to work one might say they've been poorly coached am i right wow like i mean <laughs> hmm. these are good players that they have um yeah they've, it's just been a poorly managed team so and i in all seriousness like why would Caleb Porter want to go take over that team where he has no room to build his own program there? Like their, their Tam is gone. Their Tam is tied up um, and it's not coming back. So it's going to be interesting. Maybe they'll just stick with um, Bobby Murphy for a while or something. I don't know. Bobby Murphy, by the way, great MLS name. Oh, incredible. Incredible. No name. Incredible. Uh, He is the interim coach right now. Of course they fired Jason Christ with that epic news dump. Uh, just a, I guess it was a week ago or so. <laughs> taking out the tra- taking out the trash on a Friday, <laughs> right after the uh, Portugal Spain game that was so incredible. Eyes of the world looking everywhere but Orlando. They decided to just tweet it out right then. It was incredible. Bobby Murphy takes over to lead them to new heights, to glory. He's the interim coach. He's the guy who actually took over for Heath when Heath was fired midseason. Last oh, really? Time. So not not his first <laughs> uh, trip in the saddle as an interim coach for. The big purple down there, and, and the funniest part about the thing is they they were coming off a loss to Montreal, who was awful. Their next game, as Murphy takes over, is against Montreal, and it's kind of like a person who's been watching a scenario from afar and has been sitting there saying, "I know exactly how I can fix this. I know the perfect thing to do right now." So Bobby Murphy comes in and immediately changes to a 3-4-3, and they still lose. (laughs) They didn't get all – you would think – well, I I think the thought process was, well, our defense has been terrible. What if we took away more defenders so those terrible players weren't out there? We'll have more offense, right? We may may come Mm -hmm. away with this with more offense. The front three of Miram, Dwyer, and Josue Coleman did not get a shot off. Not a shot on target. They oh did not God. get a shot off against Montreal. Montreal. God dang it. <laughs> against Montreal. <laughs> good lord. Um, I'm sorry. I'm getting carried away. I'm, I'm like a kid with toys. It's good. No, it's just, see, this is exactly what Bobby Murphy tried to do. He tried to start dropping in <laughs> sound effects and everything, and it, and it failed miserably. Uh, who knows if they'll go with that back three against us. I feel like th- that'd be a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. But nothing else is working for them right now. They're 17th in expected goals allowed. If we're looking at the chances they've allowed, that's 25.9 on the year. 12th in expected goals for 23.3. 14th in expected goal differential. Of course, that was not the case when they were playing pretty well for a while there. They Again, a six-game win streak before it. The apocalypse happened down in O-Town. Goal differential went from 0.6 to negative 1.7 in that span, um, that expected goal differential. They outshot folks by two shots a game, then dropped down to negative 0.3. So pretty much everything that was going well for them has immediately kind of flipped on its head. There have been a few injuries. Jonathan Spector has been out for a bit. 
there's been a couple other folks who have been out. Of course, Spectre, the captain, back there for him in the defense. I, and I think it's really interesting that a lot of their struggles have been defensively, and it makes a lot of sense. There's not been a whole lot of consistency at the back. Joe Patrick, mm-hmm. uh, Orlando City tied for the most goals conceded in MLS with San Jose and Montreal. They've given up 31 goals on Good the year. Lord. Uh, they rank last in MLS with DC United and Seattle. They only have one shutout or clean sheet on the year. They've given up two goals or more in 11 of their 15 matches at one point. So I make that 12 of 16 now after the loss to Montreal. Joe Bendix <laughs> has been awful as well. <laughs> it's, it's just a whole <laughs> cavalcade of things. He's 19th in MLS with 42 saves. He's just been terrible. This next stat is the worst. Go, go, go with it. Oh, it's so good. So good. And it, and it could be very important for us. In 16 yeah. games, they've allowed the first goal 14 times. That 14. is insane. That is insane. But, I, you know, I, I think just overall kind of wrapping all this stuff up, I think one of the conclusions is that, and we saw it. We, I mean, no one has a better, got a better glimpse of this than Atlanta fans. They're just so poor mentally. Like, they just collapse. Um, you know, we were talking earlier. Like, they have quality players available. Um, they have quality. It's not like any of these individuals they have. Like, if you look at their at their defense, um, on their defensive line, Jonathan Spector, very solid defender. Um, this guy, Sané, came from a big club in the Bundesliga. Um, Scott Sutter has been around MLS. Like, these guys are not, like, you know, these inexperienced or or untested players. They just, these guys just can't keep it together mentally. And we saw it in Atlanta. They just had a complete capitulation and it basically handed us the win. Um, and it almost seems to, I don't mean to get like super like trolly about, you know, the Orlando fan base or whatever, because we try to be a little bit professional here on this, um, Do we? on the show. Well, a little bit. We try to give you something. Nothing says um, professional like take me out at the ball game sound effects or whatever we're doing over there. <laughs> but it really sounds it really sounds like it permeates through the entire club. Like like this kind of mindset, this um it is just so chaotic. You know, like I would you know, they're they while while they're low in expected goals a lot, they probably lead the league in uh, expected middle fingers received, um, you know, from the from the fans. Like they're the the fans are kind of on edge, uh they're kind of wired the entire time. You know, they they seem they make these what seem to be like impulsive signings from the front office and it, it just everything seems to trickle down um through this club and it you know, we saw it when when Christ was in charge, there just didn't seem to be any sort of cohesion amongst the team and just I'm I'm not even talking tactically, I'm just I'm just talking um mentally and kind of being on the same page and having each other's backs and like that kind of like team camaraderie that you want to have, they just don't seem to have it. And, um, and you know, you see like with the fans, like the fans will get on their backs pretty, pretty quickly. Um, it's just kind of, you know, it, it just feels rotten to me. Like it just feels like a, a very sour place. So they need somebody to uh, come in and just kind of, you know, be the captain of the ship and turn it around. And I'm talking about, you know, whatever manager they do ended up, end up bringing in. I mean, I don't think it's going to be Bobby Murphy, but, um, you know, they need someone that kind of has the the credibility to get everybody on the same page because it's just it's just a mess right now. I've talked about it before on this show that I think Orlando 
it's not necessarily a sleeping giant, but a sleeping, very, very tall person that's been hunched over for, for a real long time. Sure. Sure. They, uh, there's a good chance that one day this is going to be a team that's very successful and gives teams a lot to reckon with. It's interesting to see them fail so miserably in so many different ways when they have money, they have a fan base that cares, a fan base that wants good things to happen and has high attendance numbers and has the stadium they can go to uh, that has great facilities, that has a training ground of their own, uh, that at one point did have that USL team. They'll be back next year. Um, But it has all these different things that generally conspire to create a team and a franchise that does very, very well. It just hasn't happened. And I think you're spot on with the culture comments. Just the culture is not there yet. And that starts with the front office and it starts with the manager. You look at, I mean, look at what happened with Kyle, the Kyle Laren saga last year. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a, that was a, a, a scenario where, I mean, you know, aside from Laren's off the field um, issues, you know, they had this, a good striker to pair with Dom Dwyer. Um, you know, that you, they have this great piece and okay, maybe, maybe he's unhappy. Maybe he wants to leave, etc. They just handled it so poorly. Like they tried to treat him like a child. Like he couldn't leave. They couldn't. They couldn't come to sort some sort of an agreement with him where you know he could at least like you know play out a little bit more of the season and agree to a sale or something like that. You know, Ugh, it's just like there's just no control in the in the club. It feels like to me from the, from from the outside. Uh, I know I make a lot of college football references on the show, but I think the closest comparison is is Tennessee right now where you've got a a program that should be succeeding just based on fan base and everything else but is so toxic and so we're gonna set the town on fire when we make a coach hiring kind of thing yeah it just doesn't work it's not there right now whatever the infrastructure provides is not translating into a positive culture yeah i was gonna say the same thing i'm not like a I mean, obviously, I follow all of college football. I'm not big into SEC. I'm uh, from my family's from Big Ten country. Reminds me of like what Michigan's going through right now, where you have like all this promise, and every time there's like a new coaching hire, it's like, oh yeah, this is going to be the turnaround. This is going to be the turnaround. And then like you know, as soon as there's a bad run, fans get on the backs. It's mm-hmm. and the players lose confidence. It's that kind of thing. So I could totally yeah. see uh, if they if they do pick up Scolari, Scolari being their hardball. Of someone who comes in and just says a bunch of crazy shit and doesn't actually win anything. Well, I think Atlanta, I think Atlanta has kind of, you know, set, I don't know, set a precedent is kind of the right way to phrase it. But, you know, I I think that it just has gone to show what a manager, when you hire a manager that has that kind of international clout or status, like a Tata Martino, it just helps everybody get on board. Like everybody has, you know, everybody knows to defer to this guy and everybody kind of has puts their faith in this person. I'm not sure everybody in, in the club in Orlando, if you're talking about front office people or players put that kind of faith in Jason Christ, you know, like they weren't all in with Jason Christ. I don't think at any point uh, there was always doubt. So it's hard. It's harder to commit to, you know, his philosophy and that kind of a thing when, you just have that lingering doubt. Nobody in Atlanta is doubting Tata Martino. You know, like all the players are fully committed to him. Except on the Twitter. The board is fully committed to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think they do I think they do need to like 
they've kind of screwed themselves to this point. And at this point they need like, honestly to make a big signing to kind of help rectify this because I think that that's really the only way I don't think you're going to get through what they're going through with like a, you know, come up on the come up kind of coach. Yeah, no. And it's interesting. You talk about the precedent set by Atlanta United. How, how coincidental is it that, Orlando City's looking towards South America as a place to pull their next coach from. Someone who will have clout, like you said, on an international level and someone who they may be able to attract young players just like we've been able to, just because of the name of our manager, who is well-respected in a big, big way down there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they end up with. It might help at first just to go ahead and get the same back line out on the pitch for Orlando City. I do want to move back kind of towards... Uh, just kind of looking at them as a team yeah, right sure. now. Uh, but the Lions have placed 12 different back lines on the pitch in 16 MLS matches. So just the four times I think they've had a same back line out mm. there, which is just insane. Which you, you talk a little bit about the, the cohesion. You talk about the mental aspect of it. I'm sure it's got to be difficult when you're playing with a brand new bunch of guys just about every time. And it has not been their first choice guys either. We may actually see their first choice back line play for the one of the first times all year against us in Atlanta. That is if they don't go with a back three. <laughs> yeah, and that's a you know, it's just one of that's one of those things. Michael Parkhurst, I think, talked about it, I wanna say he was either last week or the week before. Um, but it's so important on the back line, especially to have consistency, um, because those guys need to have trust in one another like when you're defending all you know your fifth defender is the offside line you know and it's like you have to kind of to, to to make use of that you have to have full confidence in your partners uh along either side of you and when you don't have that 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 offside line can work against you and often does so yeah that that is um that is an issue for them for sure and it's much it's much harder to play with rotating guys at the back than it is to like if you were like missing someone in your attack like kind of like how we've done the last two years you know we've missed joseph um Mm -hmm. last year but we were kind of able to work around that this year it's kind of it's been tito who's missed a bunch of games barco in the beginning of the season but you know those things you can work around better and it doesn't really affect you as much when you're losing guys at the back that's when it really starts showing up in the standings because you start leaking goals um and you're just not able to work around it as well yeah again this is maybe the worst defensive team in the league right now. And it doesn't look like it's getting better anytime soon. Uh, looking at them in an attack, of course, you're going to have Dwyer up there who just torched us when he came to Atlanta last time. Uh, I believe two goals at that in that one. He had a brace and a layer and had the other. Two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but fortunately for Atlanta, Yoshi Utoon is listed as still on international duty, even though uh, his team did not make it to the round of 16 in the World Cup. So he will probably not be available for the game Saturday, which is really good news because he's been the engine for them all year when good things do happen. Three goals, four assists for him. And Joe, you've mentioned at points how Miguel Almiron kind of makes the attack go for Atlanta. Yoshi Yotun, very much in the same vein for Orlando. Yeah, I think he's their best player. <clears throat> yeah, no no, no real issues there. It's like, yeah, it's like the... He's the guy who makes everybody, but you know, he's like, I call him like the, you know, the oil in the engine, you know, just like you need somebody there that makes everything work correctly. And he's kind of that guy for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 
like we said, the the people going forward for Orlando have not been terrible, I guess, this year. Dwyer does have seven goals, no assists, but does have the seven goals. Uh, Kleshton, three goals, three assists. Uh, even Christian Aguida has three goals. But then you look at someone like a Justin Miram who is expected to come in yeah. and do big things for Orlando City. He has one goal. It was against us. It was a total fluke. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. There, uh, there was like a huge rebound and it just came right to him. Mm-hmm. It was like pretty much a... Did, did uh, Alec Can play that game? Was that Can? I want to say yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think it was. I think it, I, I'm pretty sure it was. It was uh, that would have um, been right after the sporting game, I think, where Brad had the red card. So, yeah. Uh, that was it yeah okay out with the red card yeah yeah so um yeah Muram has been terrible and you know we talking about all the you know bad juju going on in in orlando you know there's been like terrible bad blood between him and the fans like he's been kind of (laughs) nasty i I think like this i i don't really know the full the full extent of it but there's just not like they don't really like him and he doesn't like them it seems like um he kind of has wow. like a how, how could anyone bitterness? just not love the sweethearts down there <laughs> in Orlando? Stunning, stunning. It's interesting to me, Joe Patrick. It's not interesting to me that he doesn't like Orlando fans because they're garbage and terrible people. But it's interesting to me that we were at least on the stat sheet. Orlando looked like the better team for a little bit in that game. I think Atlanta really decided to kind of sit back at one point there. They ended up with about 45% possession and were outshot 11 to eight by Orlando. Orlando ended up with more shots on target. And I'm just trying to kind of pace my mind back through that game mm-hmm. to kind of see why it may have ended up like that. Well, but this remember, was, we went up to nothing. So yeah, I think this, we were just, I mean, this, this, this was kind of our time in the season where we were doing this, on a regular basis we did it was kind of a similar story against uh la galaxy where mm-hmm. we would come out in this three five two we'd play pretty well first half we were pretty clinical um in this game greg garza got got brought down he went down pretty easy in the box we got a penalty there and then barco had a great outside of the foot finish um for the second one we just kind of got two goals and then what seemed to happen to us in that formation is we just kind of i don't know if it was um uh, fitness thing where we were just t- too tired to, to, you know, run and chase down and close down people in the second half. And so we just sat deep, but yeah, it was just one of that time in the season where we just sat deep and absorbed pressure in the second half and just kind of saw games out, but it wasn't, it wasn't pretty that second half. Um, no. we were pretty much hanging on and then, um, then their fans started throwing trash on the field, <laughs> which pretty much ended the game. And Will Johnson got all upset. The poor guy, yeah. poor guy. Yeah, no, that, that that that's about right. It's about right. Speaking of sitting back, though, I'm really hoping that we go full throttle in this one. Uh, the big question mark this time, though, rather than the formation, is what do we do about Darlington Nagby? Nagby announced with an abductor injury. That's like the inside of your thigh there, guys, if you want to just rub that. Uh, it's not fun. You can't really run or do anything on it out about two to three months. Joe Patrick. Uh, what do we do? Well, I mean, I think, I think we're all, I think we're in agreement here that, um, Gressel is going to be the one who, who comes into midfield. It's either going to be Gressel or Kratz, surely. Like that's, mm-hmm. um, I don't think he's going to make some swooping change where he, where Tata Martino like changes the formation back again to a three and all that. I don't think that's happening. Um, 
I think we'll stick with what we've been doing in the last few games and go with the 4-2-3-1. We'll probably stick Gressel in there. So Gressel, here, here's my thing with Gressel as a center mid. Um, thought he, he started out playing that position last year, actually. He started the New York Rebels right. game playing a central midfield spot, and he played it for like, I think he held that position for the first, like, you know, three or four games, and he kind of faded away, kind of got worse. I think he got, he kind of had some initial success um, because people, you know, teams didn't know who he was, what he was good at, you know, what his strengths were. So he was kind of, once teams kind of realized that um, his first touch wasn't so great that they could, they could dispossess him in, in dangerous areas. I think that's when we saw him kind of move out wide. And that's always been my fear with him um, ever since then is his tendency to lose the ball um, in the, in midfield, you know, like in a dangerous position where there's an immediate counter on for the other team. Other than that, I think he gives you a lot of a lot of really good things. Um, obviously, he can he can move the ball around well. Once he's like in possession of the ball, he can pick out a great pass. He's got really good vision. Um, it's just when he receives those balls in congested areas, tight spaces, when a guy's closing him down. I'm just I'll, I'll be honest. I'm still not super confident in him. But you know, hopefully, yeah. I I see something. Um, you know this game that, that alleviates those concerns. But I also feel a little bit better because we've seen Tata Martino using him as a central midfielder, like in recent games, um, either as a sub or he'll sometimes he'll like bring on a sub and he'll, you know, put, put Julian Gressel, he'll move his position basically during the game into central midfield. So that at least tells me that Tata is seeing something from him um, in training that says that he's more capable of, of this role than he was, you know, in the first few games of his rookie season. So, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's what we'll, what, what we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. No one at me about this cause I'm tired of it, but I think Gressel for 90 minutes at the very least is, is still an improvement over Kevin Kratz for 90 minutes of that position. I think I agree. Kind of the blunt tr- truth of it. Uh, Kratz is great. Kratz is a specialist, but I think Gressel just is just going to offer more and it's going to, it's going to be sustainable. For the time being, I think, and especially against an Orlando team that's been struggling, to say the least. I think you go full throttle. I think Tito on the wing, Gressel in the midfield. Let's go. Let's ride. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think Tito's going to come out like a Tito's bullet shot out of a gun. Yep. This one. I mean, Hell's this guy, like, he looked so dangerous against Portland. And, uh, yeah, he just look, he just presents something totally different on at the right wing than what Gressel does. And that's not like I'm not that's not try to, you know say that Gressel hasn't been amazing this season because he has. Um, but Tito just offers something different. He offers a goal-scoring presence. I was actually uh, chatting with uh, our friend Tioto Football um, earlier this week, kind of just talking about, you know, some of the things that bug us about the team or what we need and whatever. And it just seems like without Tito, we're just very reliant on Joseph to score goals. Like, we don't, like, Almiron will make a run into the box, but it almost seems like Almiron's runs into the box are meant so that he can then pass the ball back to somebody else. And I feel like kind of the same, like Barco's kind of the same way where they're not making like runs that someone who wants to score a goal would make, you know, like they're kind of getting into a position where they can feed somebody. Um, And I feel like Tito, Tito wants to score goals like that. He, you know, he's like a striker. He just plays from like a, a wider position. So I think that will be really helpful uh, in this game. And I think it will open up more opportunities for Joseph. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think we'll get to my score prediction later, but yeah, I'm feeling pretty yeah. good. I think, 
about it. I think it's gonna be. A, I think it's gonna be a fun game as well. Mm-hmm. I think there will be a lot of goals. Yes. Yes. Good news is, Jeff Patrick. Good news is, while we have you here, Julian Gressel, even if he does take over in that midfield spot, it's not going to be for long. You know who's coming, Joe Patrick? Do you know who is coming? One more time. That's right. It's the thick fielder. The thick fielder. <laughs> I love this nickname. He's I hope coming. it catches on. Right. See, oh, it's, it's already caught. It is caught. Mucho caught. This time, Joe Patrick, thick fielder, Eric Remedi. Remedi. Is that right? Uh, yeah. That yeah. No, no. I think you, you nailed it. You nailed it. Um, ah, looking forward to this guy. Yeah. I, I'm a little concerned. Like, okay, we're not not concerned. But um, so, you know, the the team put out this video of him spraying these, these long passes from sideline to sideline. I kind of, you know. Added, added some fuel to that fire saying that it was exciting. And I think some other people did as well. I think Jason Longshore mentioned it as well. Um, and don't get me wrong, still very excited about his ability to do that. Don't think he's going to be pure low. You know, like, I, so he, he had an 80, 81% pat. I feel like people are kind of getting built up. Like, the, like this is like a very, uh, like a strength of his. I'm not sure how, like, often he's going to connect on these passes. But just having somebody who's willing to do it um, is going to be a huge help just as someone who, cause we don't really have anyone who even tries those passes, um, from midfield. I, I, the only people on our team who really try those kinds of balls right now are Leandro Gonzalez Perez and Michael Parkhurst. And they kind of have, have a better angle to, to do it as well. But, um, Absolutely. you know, he, so he had an 81% passing, uh, pass completion percentage in La Primera. So, um, to put that in perspective, this was kind of interesting. I went and cause I was a little curious about that. Um, and just like, cause 81%, what does that mean? You know, is that good? Is it bad? So I went and looked and in La Primera, he was 81% and that ranked him like 92nd out of 400 pretty. So that's like pretty good. Like top, you know, top quarter uh, about, um, for sure, especially for a defensive midfielder. Yeah. And then in MLS, that same percentage would only rank him like 130 out of 400, like basically like exa- almost exactly the middle of the middle of the pack. So right. that kind of says something about the league, but it also, you know, just, it, uh, well, actually, I don't know what the hell it says, but um, <laughs> take, take it for what it's worth. I, I don't expect him to be like this amazing passer, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But I sure. do think that his passes will help the team. Absolutely. And I, I think what you're saying about him taking those risks and, and trying to play those long balls and spreading things out a little bit, I think that could be something that helps us unlock teams a little bit more. It's like if you were a basketball team that never took three-point shots. You know, Everyone mm-hmm. would just kind of yeah. crowd the paint, and you would never be able to really get any good opportunities. Uh, and looking at us, kind of past few games with teams kind of bunkering and crowding, crowding the paint, so to speak, uh, unlocking a few long balls like that, unleashing them, I guess, would probably probably help us out just a little bit. Really excited about what he can do, and also he's going to be an asset defensively. I think Rob Ushery called him. He's not fast, Jeff, but he's mobile, Jeff. Yeah, I think that yeah. makes a lot of sense. This so, is from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, and I and I don't think you know, like I don't think that him having incomplete you know passes is necessarily a bad thing. Um, 
I don't think we like we probably had too much possession against Portland. I, th- I think th- this is just my personal theory when it comes to possession. I think there's like a sweet spot that you want to be in. That's kind of like 55 ish percent, like something like that. I feel like once you start having way too much possession, if you don't have a lead, you become easy to defend because teams know that you're not basically when, when you have that much possession and basically shows that you're not trying anything that's too risky. You know, you're, you're basically trying to just, you're keeping the, you're making sure you keep the ball. If you're up in the, you know, 60% range, um, mid 60s. So I, I, I think that, you know, yeah, he'll just, he'll make us a little more unpredictable, which is what we need. I feel like we've been a little predictable lately and teams like Portland have been able to come in. Montreal has done the same thing. Even Philadelphia union did the same thing, even though they lost, um, they probably would have won that game if it was 11 v 11. And they basically just came in, sat back, and let us pass the ball around, um, knowing that you know they, they just defended the dangerous areas. But I think that with Remedy, Remedy, um, he will make us a little more unpredictable. We won't see him most likely until the fifteenth against Seattle. That's World Cup. That final would be the first two. possible time he could play. Yeah. Yes, because the transfer window opens on the tenth of July, mm-hmm. so we won't see him for Just a little when he bit. Can be registered. Obviously not available for the Orlando City game. But hopefully you're ready for the Orlando City game after all this information we've thrown at you guys. Let's go ahead and wrap it up, though, Joe Patrick. Let's go ahead and get a prediction okay. for this one. Go ahead. Um, I'm going to go with, I think we will, uh, Atlanta United will win 3-2. to two. I think it's going to be high scoring. And I do think, I'm, I'm, give, I'm giving the Orlando two goals. I think we could. I'm kind of building in one Gressel mistake that leads to a goal in central midfield. Okay, I don't, sure. I don't even think, I think that's just kind of something you should probably expect at this point, you know, plant just he's slotting into a new position. Um, so yeah, three, two, not bad, not bad. I'm going to one up you a little bit. No, I'm going to say we take it to him. I'm going to say four nil. Say four nil. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Well deserving of the sound effect there. No one at me. I'm not a jinx. Everyone shut up. Uh, 4-0 though that's my call that's my call I think we just take it to them I think they're still terrible I think they have no idea what they're doing I think if they especially if they go back three they're gonna get torched uh, by someone like Tito who's gonna maybe exploit some wingbacks there Uh, it's gonna be a whole lot of fun to watch I think and gonna be the biggest win in this rivalry's history and keep off the board still because they've never won ever against us isn't that fun interesting i do want to bring in one thing though it's interesting to me we have not taken it to orlando at home ever yeah ever yeah we've we've needed comebacks to either you know go ahead again or, or tie it both times you know and the first home game we played against him we needed a stoppage time goal from tito so it'd be real nice to just go out there saturday and just whip up on him in front of seventy-two thousand people i'll i'll tell you i think that I, I really think it's easier for them in the, in this rivalry game, especially to go on the road and play it. I don't think they want to play it in front of their home fans. I don't think they want that. I think it adds more pressure for them to play in front of their home fans in a bit in this big rivalry game. All those hostile Honestly. people wearing, uh, I can't even think of a band name right now, but some terrible doom metal band from the nineties, all wearing those t-shirts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it wouldn't deal well with me either to be at basically the soccer version of a hot topic playing games. It'd just be rough. You know, how could I focus? How could I focus? 
Uh, good news is not a lot of Orlando fans going to even be allowed in the stadium because of, uh, you know, they're banned from That's the stadium. Right. <laughs> the supporters groups are anyway. So none of our friends over Iron Lion Firm or Ruckus who think that literally anyone cares about TIFO leaks. I'm I'm not gonna get into it. Get over your arts and crafts didn't, project, guys. Didn't, That's didn't they have a uh, didn't they have a uh, some one of their fans was arrested and that person either worked or had worked for the team? There was something like that. <laughs> I wouldn't put anything past him at this point. It was like they were like in ticketing or something. You know, like it was just kind of like yeah. a yeah. They weren't they weren't involved with like the the players or anything. But Orlando uh, can't even get their yeah. website together, Joe Patrick. I was looking at articles earlier and. A lot of copy editing needed to go on. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Uh, anyways, if you see one out in the wild, don't engage with it. Um, they're more scared mm-hmm. of you than you are of them, but still probably not a good idea to antagonize them. Uh, yeah. They will fight back. They will make you listen to Creed and do all sorts of terrible, terrible things. <laughs> so just don't engage. Don't engage, they'll, guys. They'll definitely give you the middle finger. Oh, yeah, they're real good at that. That's their thing. That's their one talent. If middle fingers were Tam, they would still probably not have a whole lot left, to be honest. But it would help. It would help. <laughs> Anyways, big thanks to Jason Christ for joining us on the show. Love having him on. Uh, great guy, as always. Wish him the best in his next endeavor of coaching some uh, USL3 team, wherever he ends up. Going to be exciting for for Jason. Great guy. Great guy. Big thanks to Joe Patrick for joining us on the show today. As No, no, no. Well, my, Thank you. Thank you. Oh, of course. My pleasure. My pleasure to sit here and listen to you barrage me with sound effects. Uh, Ryder, this one started. I was scared. God damn it. 7 p.m. Saturday. Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Be there. Be loud. See you guys then. Bye, y'all. Bye.